welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Thursday, April 18th, 2019, on the basis of Hebrews 10, verses 15 through 25. Nothing draws a crowd like something new. Over the course of the past several months, you maybe know that there have been quite a few new businesses that have opened in Mount Horeb. We've got a couple new restaurants. We've got a new ice cream shop. We've got a new cider tasting room. And whenever new businesses like that open up, of course, a lot of people want to go and check them out. But of course, for those businesses, they don't simply want customers to come in once just to check them out. They want customers to keep coming back. In fact, in order to stay in business, they need customers to keep coming back again and again and again. And so even long after uh, the business itself is new, one thing businesses will do to try to keep people coming back is to offer new things, new deals, new promotions, new specials, new products, new services. Nothing draws a crowd like something that's new. Now, if that's the case, then out of all the companies in the world, you might say, out of all the businesses or organizations that regularly open their doors and want people to come flocking inside, we might be tempted to think that the church is at a distinct disadvantage. I don't know if you realized this, but it's been a long, long time since the Christian church had anything new to offer. In fact, today, right here, right now, we are offering the very same thing that our church was offering five years ago when we first opened our doors. And five years from now, we will still be offering the very same thing that we are offering right here tonight. And I know that this is going to sound bad, but I blame God. You see, from the very time that Jesus first sent out those disciples and said, here's what you have, here's what you want, here's what I want you to bring to the world, here's what I have to offer, he's not given us anything different. He's not given us anything new. No new products, no new services, no new specials, no new deals. And of course, as a result, people might be tempted to think that there's no need to keep going back. Tempted to think things like, well, you know, I, I had a lot of that church stuff when I was a kid, so I, I think I'm all set now. Or things like, I'm, I'm really busy right now, but sure, once life slows down, then I'll be back in church. Or, you know, I, I went last week, so if I miss this week, or the next week, or the week after that, or 27 weeks in a row, but then I go back after that, I, I really won't have missed out on anything, right? All of that actually makes a lot of sense if it is, in fact, the case that the church never has anything new to offer. And that's why one small, single word that you've heard used a couple of times already tonight is so, so important. That as the Bible describes what God has to offer, what God brings to the table, the, the product you might say that he wants all the world to have, the Bible describes that by using the word new. Not new chronologically, as in brand new released in 2019, but new qualitatively, new in its character. It is different from, and it is better than any alternative that we might look for anywhere else. Which means that whether it's 2,000 years ago, the night before Jesus died, the night he was betrayed, or whether it's tonight, April 18th, 2019, what God has to offer us here in this place is and will always be new. Which means that it will, or at least should, always draw a crowd, which means that the more you realize just how new what God offers you is, the more you will want to keep coming back. Whether you're young or old, whether you've been just once or a thousand times before, whether you're very, very busy or completely and totally bored, 
fact, that's what we're going to see tonight as we look at these verses from Hebrews chapter 10, that God's new covenant always keeps people coming back. That word covenant really refers to an agreement that exists between two parties. And in this section of the book of Hebrews, the writer is comparing what's known as the old covenant and what he refers to as the new covenant. And first, he wants to highlight some of the features of this new covenant. For starters, the new covenant offers us full assurance, he says. So at any given moment, we can be completely confident, 100% certain of where we stand with God, how he sees us, how he will judge us. And the reason for that is because no matter how many times we might sin, the payment for that sin, the sacrifice that is needed for that sin, is already complete. It's already finished. There's nothing more that needs to be paid. That wasn't the case with the Old Covenant. Under the stipulations of the Old Covenant, anytime someone sinned, which of course was all the time, there were more sacrifices that needed to be made, which ended up being then all the time. New Covenant offers us full assurance. It also offers us certain hope. Under the New Covenant, we can know with absolute certainty how our future is going to turn out. In fact, even if life isn't going the way that we want it to, even if life hasn't materialized the way that we had hoped, we know how things will turn out. We know what is in store for us in the future. We know that heaven awaits. Unending joy, perfect and lasting happiness. That wasn't the case in the Old Covenant. Under the terms of the Old Covenant, if people behaved, God would bless them. Things would be good. But if they sinned, if they rebelled against God, God would punish them. So the New Covenant offers full assurance. It offers certain hope. Finally, it offers a changed heart. The New Covenant affects us. In fact, the New Covenant transforms us completely and enables us to see things the way that God sees them. If God thinks that something is good, we think it's good too. If God thinks that something is evil, we think that it's evil too. Under the Old Covenant, that wasn't the case. Under the Old Covenant, God simply imposed his will on people and demanded obedience whether they liked it or not. The Old Covenant had the ability to change behavior, but not to change hearts. Now, I think anyone would look at those three features of the New Covenant, and they would say, boy, that that sounds pretty good, right? The New Covenant sounds a lot better than the Old Covenant. But that's not the question we're asking this evening. The question we're asking this evening is, if these are the features of the New Covenant, what is going to keep people coming back? In fact, you think about some of these features of the New Covenant, and they're actually the exact opposite of the features of things that keep us coming back. I started thinking about some of the things that we frequently go back to over and over again. You know what we often go back to over and over again? Things like parking meters and our online credit card accounts. Do you know why we go back to those things? Because given enough time, more money needs to be paid, right? We owe more things. And in fact, if we don't pay that money, we're going to be in big, big trouble, right? So we need to keep going back again and again. But with the new covenant, everything's already been paid. The payment is complete. We don't need to keep coming back to God's house with something in our hand to offer him for the sins that we've committed. The payment is done. You know what else we go back to again and again? We go back to stoves and we go back to ovens. You got a cake baking in the oven. You've got some eggs in a frying pan on a stove. And you have to keep going back again and again. Why? Because you don't know how it's going to turn out. You could undercook it. You could overcook it. You need to keep going back again and again to make sure that it turns out right. But under the new covenant, we already know how things are going to turn out. Our future is guaranteed. Heaven awaits. You know what else we keep going back to again and again? 
reference works, like encyclopedias or instruction manuals. If the correct answer to a question or the right thing to do in a situation isn't inside of our heads and inside of our hearts, we need to keep going back to that external source of information that is going to tell us the right thing to do. We need to keep going back. But under the new covenant, God's law is already inside of our hearts and inside of our minds. So why keep going back? Well, after he's described the features of the new covenant, the writer goes on to explain how this new covenant is executed, how it's put into practice. And here's where the old covenant and the new covenant actually have a few things in common. Both of these agreements, in order to be put into effect, needed two things to happen. They needed a death and they needed a distribution plan. So just like someone's last will and testament, both of these covenants were not put into effect until someone died. Under the old covenant, what died was an animal, a goat, a sheep, a bull. That was what was put to death. That was what was sacrificed. Then what was needed was a distribution plan. The writer kind of alludes to that in these verses. He says that the priest would take a bowl and he'd fill it up with the blood from that sacrifice and He'd, sprinkle, he'd, he'd dip his finger in the bowl and then he'd start sprinkling things and he'd start sprinkling people with the blood from that sacrifice. Sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? Even maybe a little bit gross, but it makes sense when you think about it. If that animal was offered as the payment for sins, then the blood from that animal, anything that it would touch, would be cleansed from sin, would be made holy. So how does the new covenant take effect? Well, sort of similarly, but still differently. In the very same way, in order for the new covenant to take effect, there needs to be a death. And of course, we know whose death that's going to be, right? The writer tells us that it's the death of Jesus. It's Jesus' body and Jesus' blood that have been offered to make the full and final payment for our sins. And so now all we need is a distribution plan. Because anyone or anything that the blood of Jesus touches becomes cleansed, becomes pure, becomes holy. So how do we get those things? Well, Jesus' body and blood were first offered up on the cross about 2,000 years ago in a city called Jerusalem. Google Maps tells me that that's about 6,200 miles and a full Atlantic Ocean away. So it's a good thing that we don't have to go over there to get Jesus' body and blood. We might look at it from a different perspective and we might say that now Jesus' body and blood are exalted and they are glorified and they are up in heaven, even farther away, even more impossible to get to while we are here down on earth. And so thankfully, we don't need to go there either. The writer to the Hebrews here doesn't spell out God's distribution plan for the new covenant, but thankfully we heard Jesus tell us what it is in those words from Luke chapter 22. In fact, that's really the main thing that we celebrate on Holy Thursday, that Jesus spelled out how he would distribute his body and blood. You heard what he said. That he would take his body and blood, these priceless precious gifts, the things that were offered as the full payment for our sin. And he multiplies them. He makes them available to anyone, anywhere, anytime, and he does so by joining them to bread and wine, by packaging them up, you might say. Bread with body, wine with blood, so that those priceless, precious gifts would be available to us right here, right now the very things that give us full assurance, certain hope, and a changed heart, they are made available to us right here, right now, 
And the best part is you can leave your wallet in the car because they're absolutely free of charge. It's no wonder then that the writer says what he says. He says, draw near. He says, keep coming. Keep gathering together and don't stop. It's no surprise to hear him say that. It's no surprise, of course, to hear a pastor say to people, keep coming to God's house to receive the blessings that he gives. What is a little bit surprising is to hear what he has to say about the alternative. In fact, this was something that I learned for the very first time this week as I studied these verses that I had studied many times before. I'd heard these verses used and even memorized them in confirmation class like our kids still do today as verses that encourage us to keep going to God's house. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And whenever I thought about those verses and I thought about those people apparently in this situation who had already gotten into the habit of stopping coming back to God's house, I I kind of thought of them the way that we might think of people today. That if they weren't going to church on Sunday morning at the Christian gathering in whatever city it was, well, maybe they were sleeping in. Or maybe they were working. Maybe they had something else to do. Maybe they were out on a nice hike, or they were golfing nine holes, or they were playing some other sport, or they were watching the Packer game, whatever the case might be. But what I learned this week is that from the rest of the book of Hebrews, from the rest of the content text, it is very clear that they were doing something else. That they, instead of going to the Christian gathering, they were going somewhere else. Not even on the very same day, not at the same time, but they were actually going from the Christian gathering and instead they were going back to the Jewish synagogue. In other words, they were exchanging the place where the new covenant was in effect and they were going back to the place where the old covenant reigned. That was the alternative. And believe it or not, that is still the one and only alternative. I think usually we think about this concept of of coming to God's house as sort of an isolated decision. Either we go to church or we don't. That's actually not the way we should look at it. It's a decision not to go to church or not to go to church. It's really a decision to either go to church to receive the blessings that God offers us in the New Covenant or to go somewhere else to try and find those very same blessings somewhere else. It might not be at the same time. It might not be in the same place. It might not be in any sort of setting that even looks like a religious gathering. But make no mistake, we will go looking for those blessings that God offers us in the New Covenant. And make no mistake, the place where we will find them can be described with only one word. Old. It is our natural, default, almost unescapable inclination to try and look for those blessings in the way that the old covenant offered them. So where do we go for assurance? Where do we go to know where we stand, either in our own eyes, in the eyes of others, in the eyes of God, rather than being content with the full approval that we have through the full payment of our Savior Jesus Christ? That old way of thinking tells us that more needs to be done. One more thing, one more good deed, one more sacrifice, and then we look for that approval from parents, from our children, from teachers, from classmates, from friends, either in person or online. Where are we going to find hope? Where are we going to find certainty about a better tomorrow? Rather than trusting in the certain hope that we have that our Savior Jesus offers us in the new covenant, we want to go back to the old. That if we just behave the right way, surely God will bless us. If we make all the right decisions, we move to the right community, we put our kids in the right schools, 
we make all the right decisions with our money, we work our tails off at our jobs, and then surely things are going to get better. Or where do we go to work on those problem areas in our life, to kick those addictions and bad habits, to get rid of that angry temper that we have? Well, we go looking for information. We go looking for instruction. Maybe it comes from the Bible, maybe it comes from the self-help aisle, but all the while we ignore that what we really need is an internal change of heart. Friends, the only alternative to what's new is what's old. Which means that the only alternative to what God offers us in the new covenant is a cheap and poor imitation. Friends, here in this place, under this new covenant, God opens up the halls of heaven and he takes his very best treasures down from the shelf. And whether we are young or old, whether we are rich or poor, whether we are important or insignificant, whether we are world famous or completely unknown, he gives those things to us. Right here. For you. For free. Which means that no matter how many times you've come in the past, no matter how many times you come in the future, coming to the place where the new covenant reigns supreme, will never get old. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.